Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Have you ever had one of those conversations that might have happened 20 years ago that you can recall vividly, like, like it happened yesterday? There's, there's one of those conversations, and um, I was driving from uh, Lubbock, Texas, back to my hometown of Big Lake, Texas, with my girlfriend. We both went to Texas Tech University. She was my high school sweetheart, and uh, she was the girl that I thought I was going to marry. And um, she asked me, she goes, uh, so what do you want to do with your life? You know, just driving three hours, just visiting. And, and the talk turned to college and she goes, how are you liking college? And I said, you know, college isn't bad, but you know, I'm sitting there in a classroom with 300 people and all I can think about is I'd rather be horseback than in a classroom. And I said, to be honest with you, I'd, I'd just rather be a cowboy than to um, be, you know, sitting here in a college classroom. And anyway, that, that was the end of it. But uh, a while later, I got a call from an ex-uncle of mine, a guy that was married to my dad's oldest sister for a while. And uh, my home phone rang. We didn't have cell phones back then. Home phone rang and uh, picked it up. It even had a cord on it. And uh, anyway, I said, hello. And it was a guy named Mike McMurray. And he's like, man, I knew I knew somebody that lived in Lubbock. And he's like, Kevin, this is Mike McMurray. Hi, Mike. You know, Uncle Mike. He said, you want to have breakfast tomorrow morning? I man, I'd love to have breakfast with you. So we went to the IHOP across from across the road from Tech and uh, sat there. And he asked me, he goes, well, what do you want to do with your life? I said, man, Mike, I don't know. I don't know. I said, I, I think I just, just want to be a cowboy. He goes, oh, you want to be a cowboy, huh? It's like, yeah. He said, well, I know of a job opening right now. I can get you if you want to work on a ranch in South Texas. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's a ranch I used to manage. They're looking for some summer help that might even you know, bleed over into a long-term deal if you, if you do a good job. And I said, man, I'd love to, I'd love to visit with them. And he said, well, I'll give you his, I'll give you the ranch owner's name and, uh, all of that. And if you've ever seen the movie unbranded with about the Mustangs and everything, uh, that ranch is in that movie. And so kind of a aside, whenever I watched it, I was like, I, that's the ranch headquarters right there. And my, the guy that I talked to to get the job was in that. So anyway, so anyway, I talked to him and, and he said, yeah, man, we'd, uh, my cousin had worked on that ranch. He said, we'd love to have another Weatherby on the ranch, show up after school's out and just be ready to work. Yes, sir. So then called my girlfriend, called her dorm room. It wasn't cell phones back then. You had to call a dorm room. She answered. And I said, hey, I said, I got some good news. She said, what is it? And I said, I got offered that job in South Texas. She said, you're not going to take it, are you? And I said, well, why would you say that? She goes, if you take that job, I will not wait on you. And I said, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I'll talk to you later. And this is the last time I ever talked to her. And I went and I took that job. It was the first ranch job. You know, a, a lot of, there's a misconception that, that I grew up on a ranch until I was two years old. We had a 42 section ranch in West Texas. And then my great grandmother sold it. And my dad went into law enforcement and I was a city kid until I was 15, 16 years old. Now, I mean, we had horses and I did the little play day, tried to ride bulls and, you know, that stupid stuff like that. And wasn't very good at it and figured I didn't like it. And so anyway, but, but I, I wasn't a cowboy. And so my dad got sick of law enforcement. So he went into, he got a job on the Rocker B ranch there at Big Lake. And, and, and I started going out and being able to help them, you know, brandings and gatherings and checking waters and pulling windmills. And I, and I just loved 
nearly everything about the cowboy way of life. And so um, this was going to be my first ranch job where I wasn't Paul's son. And so anyway, I, uh, I went down there and that day changed the course of my life. And I started upon the journey of discovering seven aspects of life that I had been searching for. And chances are you've been searching for these things as well. Now, don't think that I'm preaching to you. This is what I've learned and, and what has meant the most to me in my life. And I'm merely passing it along in hopes that, as I said, that it will whet your appetite in order to grow in your relationship with God. There's a question that I get asked 10 to 1 over any other question I answer. I cannot tell you how many messages on Facebook off of our Save the Cowboy page and, and I answer all of them personally. Nobody else does it, and I'm the only one. So if you're online, I'm the one that answers them, and I do my best to answer them. Um, but the question that I get asked more than anything is, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? That question is asked over and over and over and over and over. And I believe with all of my heart that I have the answer for that. And chances are you've asked that question. Well, what does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? What does God want me to do? And I've got the answer for you, but you're probably not going to like it. Okay. You're probably not going to like it because everybody's searching for a life of purpose. Everyone wants a meaningful life, but very few know how to get it. It's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not a high paying job. And might I dare say, that in reference to a lot of people that I talk to, a life of purpose and a life of meaning is not going to be found with cows or horses. I promise you, it's not. If any of those things really truly brought meaning to people's lives, then there wouldn't be people living that life that were depressed and mad and stuff like that. I mean, how many of these actors and famous musicians and everything that have everything that the world has to offer and they're committing suicide? Well, the reason is, is because they got all of that and their life was still meaningless and they have nowhere else to go. Now us, we can always want that higher paying job or that living quartered horse trailer or, you know, a new horse or, you know, a new job or something like that. But when you've got all of that and you're, you know, rich and famous, there's nowhere to go. None of that's going to bring meaning to your life. So what does God want you to do? Here's the answer. He doesn't care. God doesn't care what you do. He cares who you are. I mean, to, to think that God is so limited that he couldn't use you as, as a janitor or a teacher or a cowboy or whatever, it doesn't matter what you do. He, care, he doesn't care. And I mean, I'm talking to the parents right now for just a second, but you kids, listen, you as parents, man, are you really going to tell your children, man, you've got to become a doctor or lawyer or you're cut off? you're unloved, you can never show up here again. Of course not. No parent in the world that I know of that I wouldn't throat punch would ever say something like that, okay? We don't care what our kids do. I care who my kids are. You know, they can go do, follow their dreams, but, but even those dreams aren't important because what is important is who you are. I mean, I had a lot of teachers that, that, that growing up in Big Lake that, that were instrumental in my life, but you know the one person that I think about more than anybody else was a janitor. He raised seven kids being a janitor at the high school, never said nothing to nobody, did a great job, provided for his family, went to work every single day. 
I never remember a day of high school without saying, say, saying hello to him. And all he did was clean up after a bunch of nod-headed kids. And he had a smile on his face when he did it. And I think about him all the time. He, he, he made a difference. And no, it wasn't glamorous. No, it wasn't high paying. But I think he went home and, and slept good at night knowing that he was taking care of his family and that he tried to help a bunch of kids. doesn't matter what you do. It matters who you are. And a life of purpose will not be lived for yourself, but for others. Man, if, if, if all of your dreams revolve around what you can get, you can never get enough. But if you can rephrase that says, and, and, and understand that God doesn't care what I do, he cares who I am. And my purpose is not to serve myself, but to serve others, man, then you're gonna get real, real close to having a purpose-filled life. If you live your life just for yourself, you'll, you'll always end up one spot out of the money. Now, that's kind of a rodeo uh, reference. If you don't understand that, you know, a lot of times you go to a rodeo and they pay, they pay five spots, you're gonna end up sixth or seventh every single time. You're gonna work just as hard as everybody else. You're gonna put in the time and the effort and the equipment and, and everything in life. But when it comes down to it, man, you're gonna be just out of the money if you're only in it for yourself. You wanna know what God wants you to do? He doesn't care what he wants you to do. He cares who you are. Become who you were supposed to be inside according to his word and use that to serve others. Philippians 2, chapter three and four says exactly what I just got through saying. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. Man, I, you, I, I can sit out here and, and I mean, I, I literally, I'm not going to call them out by name because I don't want to embarrass them or, or feel like somebody's being left out. But I see many, many, many servants in here. And you know what? If you're going to be a become a servant, become humble, that means you're going to learn how to be a neighbor. And, 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 and the cowboy in way of life is a great illustration of what it actually means to be a neighbor. And being a neighbor is never convenient and it's never easy. Man, nobody's going to call for help when you ain't got nothing going on. It's whenever things going haywire and breaking and everything, that's when somebody's going to need help. Can you, can you still go help? That's what it means to put somebody else above others. Seven aspects of the life that you've been searching for. I know it, the, the, the thought has at least crossed all of our minds that we want a life of purpose, but we also want a life of joy. And I think one of the reasons that most people cannot have a life of joy is because they mistake a life of joy for a life of happiness. See, happiness and joy are not the same thing. They are as far away as East is from the West, okay? Happiness is an emotion. No emotion on earth can be sustained for very long. And I know some of you women with, with grumpy husbands will, will argue that, okay? I, I know that. But still, no emotion can be sustained because there's too many factors. There's too many factors that affect. Our emotions are, are basically dictated by, by our circumstances and our surroundings and the people and everything like that. But joy is not an emotion. It's a choice. It is a choice. And Romans 12, 12 tells us how to live a life of joy. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 12, be uh, joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. 
pretty, uh, I'm not going to, that's pretty simply said. I don't know that that's simply done. But he says, be joyful in hope. Man, hope is a heart that is addicted to the promises of God. Think about that. Hope is a heart that is addicted to the promises of God. But if you don't know what the promises of God are, how are you going to have hope? You know, we don't just stand up here and I don't just encourage you to go read your Bibles because you can check it off and say, well, I did my Bible reading for today. No, man, that thing is full of, of promises of God, of, of how to apply his word. And it's even full of the warnings. Hey, man, it tells you where the bear traps are. And if you don't know, man, you're just going to be walking along and no wonder you're ending up in a wreck all the time. Man, go, go, read his, go read the good book. Read the promises of God. Man, get you a highlighter and mark it up. Or if you think that's sacrilegious, get a notebook. And every time you come across a promise of God, write it down. Get to know the promises of God because that's where our hope comes from. Listen, this isn't heaven. This is not heaven. And most of us, man... We sit here and we think, oh, we got to live so long, so long, so long. And we think dying is, is, is the worst thing on earth. For the Christian, it's the start uh, of, of perfection. Because you know what this life, this life is full of mountains and valleys and mountains and valleys. And, and there's a, a term called regression to the mean. Okay, that does not mean that, you know, like, you know, when your wife's getting mad at you. That's not what regression to the mean means. Okay. We're talking about an average. When things are really good, it's probably not going to stay that way for a long time. It'll regress to the average. But when things are really bad, it, it won't stay like that either. It'll regress to the mean. You know, man, most of life is it's just life. It's just life. But if you don't know the promises of God of what awaits those who call on Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then you have no hope. Man, you're going to be looking at these mountains and valleys, and that's all you're going to have. And no wonder people are sad and depressed. This, this, this world is sad and depressing, but man, if you know the promises of God, you have hope. Paul says to be patient during times of trials. Man, that's double tough, ain't it? Man, when you are down in one of those valleys, be patient, man. It'll regress to the mean. Eventually, it may not be easy, but listen, you know, everybody wants the mountaintops, but what's the old saying that nothing grows on the mountaintop? But you can sure grow down in that valley. You'll sure, everybody's quick to get out of the valley, but don't quit growing just because you went through a hard time. Patience during times of trials will grow your joy more than anything else. Paul wrote two thirds of the New Testament and most of it was from a prison cell and he talked about joy the whole time, knowing that his head was gonna be chopped off. He didn't care. This wasn't heaven. He knew where he was going. He knew the promises of God. Paul also said, stay faithful in prayer. Man, prayer is just a conversation with God, man. It, and, and I ain't saying that it's got to be one of those, you know, you got to know some foreign language, you know, some foreign religious language. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank thee for allowing me to bestow us. I don't even know, you know. I don't even understand most of that stuff. But you know what I do understand? God help me, please. You know what else I understand? God, thank you. Thank you, God. You know what else I understand? God, I love you. You know what else I understand? God, help me love that knothead. God, please help me love that knothead. I need you, God. I need you. And some of y'all, those knotheads, it's been prayed over. I know I'm one of them. A life of joy. You know what else we're all searching for? A life of adventure. I mean, seriously, which one of us, I want a boring, boring, boring life where I just sit there and drool on myself. Okay? Nobody wants that. 
Nobody wants that, you know? I want to just be a couch potato and eat Cheetos. Scratch my butt, you know? Nobody wants that. I mean, some of you may, but let me come talk to me, man. Let's go do something, man. Let's go full stupid across the pasture on a horse and fall off. Man, it'll be fun. <laughs> you can join Ty and everybody else that's in a wreck, you know? Did you die? No? Okay. <laughs> that's our motto here. Did you die? No. Good to go. But you know what, man? If you want to live a life of adventure, it means you've got to step out of your sissy space, man. Because all of us got that little space that we try to stay in where nothing's going to hurt us and everything's going to be okay. And, but, it, but it, man, that, that sissy space is a jail cell. It's a prison cell. Man, you've got to step out of that if you want a life of adventure. If you want the life that God wants for you, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to dare to fail. I mean, you know, I hear people all the time, well, I wish I could ride like you and Ty and Mitch and Caleb and Brett and Gary and, you know, wish I could ride like all of y'all. Well, go fall off a thousand times and you'll learn to ride like us. That's how many times, you know, get bucked off 25 times, you know, get bucked off six times in a row and get back on. You want to learn to ride? You got to learn to fail. You want to learn to rope? It's easy to learn how to rope. Miss a thousand times in a row. And then catch once and miss 999 times in a row. That's how you learn to rope. It's not rocket math. You know what else you got to do to live a life of adventure? You got to start trading that instant gratification of sin for the promises of God. I already talked about it, man, and I'll harp on it, and I'll harp on it, and I'll harp on it. Isn't that what sin is? It's just instant gratification. God says, man, you can have all of this, but it may take a little while. And sin says, you can have all of this right now. And then you fall for it, and then you feel like crud. Like Mitch said, you look at that person in the mirror and you go, man, who is that? Who is that? Man, this isn't who I want to be. That's what happens when you, you know, nearly every single one of you, nearly every single one of you could probably go into Denver and buy a brand new car today because somebody going to loan you the money. Instant gratification. But just because you can have it today doesn't mean it's going to make you happy tomorrow. Most of the time, anything instant, you're going to pay for it later. You're going to pay for it later. Living a life of adventure means leaving the cheap thrills of the amusement park for the grandeur of God's creation and what he wants us to live. And that, that's kind of the way I had this whole thing pictured is, you know, everybody, the world is at six flags, just going from line to line of cheap thrill, but they're all just like zombies looking for the next instant gratification, but they're locked inside that amusement park. Man, leave that. Go ride through these Rocky Mountains. Come out and ride on the Long X Ranch. Get hooked by a mama cow. It's great. Learn to rope. Learn to ride. Go do something new. I'm going to go learn to scuba dive because I'm scared to death of it. Live a life of adventure. Why not? We all going to die sometime. If I die by a shark, y'all know that I went out screaming <laughs> and inking like an octopus. Live a life of adventure. Jesus said we could in John 10.10. 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or as many versions say, I have come to give them life and give it abundantly. That's a life of adventure, man. That's not sitting on the couch. That's not sitting in a sissy space. That's not staying in your comfort zone. Man, that's getting out and doing something, living life. That's what you were meant for. You weren't meant just to go to work from eight to five, Monday through Friday, and have a week's vacation. I'm not saying quit your job, man, but there's more to life than that. If you want to know what that mortal life is, 
you got to open up your good book. You know what else you've been searching for? Is a life of love. Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians 13. Most of you. Somebody got the, I know Jay can quote this. Most of you heard it. Nearly at every wedding you do, you hear this. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Who doesn't want a life of that? But you got to give it to get it. And you got to give it without the expectation that anything will be given in return. You do it because that's who God's called you to be. I mean, who wants to be known as jealous, boastful, and proud, rude, demanding their own way, irritable, keeping a tally book of wrongs? I mean, does anybody want God to keep a tally book of your wrongs? Because there was a time when God did that. He kept a tally book of your wrongs. But then when Jesus died on the cross, he took the, he flipped, God flipped to the page that your name is on top of, that everything was written on it, and he ripped it out and threw it in the trash, and he replaced it with the name Jesus Christ. That's what happened. Love does not keep a tally book of wrongs. God doesn't do it for us, and we shouldn't do it for others. Who wants to say that they rejoice in injustice, and who would rather have an opinion over a truth? Nobody. But that last part, man, I love that last part. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Who would not want that life right there? Man, that, that, that's good stuff, and that's in God's word. That's the life that I want to live. I want to live a life of purpose where my life has meaning, not for me, for you. I want to live a life of joy. That doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy all the time. It means I'm going to be thankful it means that I'm going to choose joy. I want a life of adventure. I want a life of love. I want a life of love. So I took that ranch job. And I'll never forget that that morning we had some day workers come in because we were clearing out a pasture and doing some shipping. And so they brought in two or three really good cowboys. And uh, the guy that I reported to, Antonio Gallegos, he roped me out a horse called Conejo, which means rabbit. And I'd rode Conejo before. And He'd actually flipped over on me one time, but that's a different story. And so anyway, I saddled him up and, and we get out there and we're riding along. And I mean, it's kind of a cool morning for South Texas, low hanging clouds. And you know, you're, those pastures are so big, you can't see another cowboy. I hadn't seen a cow. I hadn't even seen the sun. Don't know where I'm at, but life is good, man. A life of purpose, a life of joy, a life of adventure a life of love, right? And I'm riding along. And I, and I remember this so vividly because I'm going to give away my age now because like one of the hottest country songs out there right now was the one I was singing out loud as I'm riding along because I'm a cowboy. I was riding along singing, I should have been a cowboy. I should have learned to rope and ride. So I'm riding along, right? And see, I, I should have learned to rope and ride because I, I stunk at roping and riding. You know, I'd only been doing it for a couple of years. I was a pretty good rider as long as they didn't buck. If they bucked, I fell off. I was really good at it, really good. But that day, as I'm singing that song, Conejo was not a Toby Keith fan. <laughs> he didn't like that song. I think he was more into, you know, Tejano or something. I don't know. But he didn't like Toby Keith. And Conejo broke in two. And guys, listen. I'm not talking about just kind of crow hopping, farting, and kicking. 
I'm talking about honking and kicking straight up over your head and trying to hurt you bucking. You do not want to get bucked off in a South Texas pasture. You have a 0.2 chance of landing somewhere other than a mesquite or a cactus or a rock or, you know, something. And for the first time in my life, I rode him out. I didn't get bucked off that day. Man, he took about six or seven really, really hard jumps. Took me through mesquite trees and I was hanging off for dear life. I was letting out my Viking war cry. I mean, it was good. It was good. Got him pulled up and everything. And man, my whole heart's beating, your adrenaline's racing. And you know, they might not, I might still be out there if he'd have bucked me off. They'd never found me. And I got up there because on a gathering, you know, you're pushing them to a set of pins so everybody kind of gets closer and closer and closer. And I seen the guy that was next to me. And anyway, man, I've got a smile on my face that you couldn't have got off me with a 12-gauge shotgun, right? Man, I'm just like, ooh, it's the best day ever. And he rode up to me. He rode up to me and said something that took the smile right off my face. And sometimes you just know that there's a fork in the road, a decision to be made. You just know that what happens next very possibly might change your entire life forever. But you'll have to come back next week to find out what he said, and we'll finish with the fifth, sixth, and seventh aspects of the life that you've been searching for. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, guide us to the life that you have planned. That plan is to know your son and to put our complete faith and confidence in what he has accomplished on the cross. There is no life apart from a relationship with Jesus and let us tie hard and fast to what he has done for us so that we can live a life of purpose and a life of joy, a life of adventure and a life of love. These are only available to those that have repented of their sins and given not only their hearts, but their lives in service to him and others. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.